Well, as I mentioned before, we have a special guest here to preach, uh, Keith Corrick, um, our, our new director of missions, starting just recently here in August. And he's here with his wife, Terry. Uh, just to tell you a little bit uh, about them, um, they, they moved from Maryland. They moved from the, the East uh, Coast, as, as, as I, my wife and and all of our kids knew what it was to move far. We just came from the West Coast in California, and so we had a little bit of a connection of, of big moves all the way here to uh, uh, Missouri, to the Midwest. And we're, I know they're excited to be here. We're excited to be here. And I'm excited that they're here and that he, you're going to be able to hear from him and, and hear him preach the word. He's got three uh, sons, and he's got eight grandchildren. I'm sure if you ask about them after service, they might share. I'm sure if you... Don't ask about them after service. They might share. You know how that is if you're a grandparent, right? So we're excited to hear from the word of God from him. And I just want to say, um, brother has had so much good experience as a pastor over the years, leading many different churches as well, as even experience as an interim director of missions. You could literally look at his resume because as he came, the resumes was sent out to the churches. But beyond the resume, though it's, it's, it's great, there's a lot of ministry. Getting to know you, Keith, personally and to be able to have a, a connection with uh, an older brother pastor in the ministry who all right off the bat, I know that, that you have that DNA, that gospel-centered DNA that we have at this church that the Bible puts forward. And it's been just such a blessing to get to know you, and I'm excited to get to know you and, and your wife, Terry, even more as we go forward. Thank you for being a mentor uh, to me and to other pastors, even in the last couple months. And, and, and I think, you know, even beyond uh, a ministry resume, when you get to know a pastor who loves the Lord and who's been giving his life for decades to the gospel ministry, it shows. And I think we're going to see that as we hear the word from him today. He loves the Lord. He loves his family. He loves the gospel, and he loves the church. And I'm excited for us to be able to get a glimpse of of his wisdom and uh, encouragement through the word today as he comes forward. Brother, thank you for being here, and look forward to hearing the word from you. Thank you so much, Pastor Daniel, and it's a delight to be here with you today. Terry and I are, are uh, so glad to be with you. I would invite you today to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 67, Psalm 67, and I'm going to be reading from this wonderful psalm that many call a missionary psalm, but interesting enough, it's a psalm you will see that is full of joy, that we've been talking about on this day, on Advent, joy. This is a song of joy. It's a missionary song. It's a kingly psalm. It's a psalm that that speaks of God's rule. It's a psalm that speaks of God's blessing on his people. Psalm 67. I begin reading in verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us. And make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your your saving power among all nations. 
Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is God's word, and all God's people said, Well, I want to ask you a question. How many Christmas movies have you been watching this season of the year? Raise your hand. Let's see. Okay. Uh, My wife and I are uh, enjoying our season of watching various Christmas movies, some of the same ones you've already seen like a hundred times or more. And one that we traditionally watch over and over, we're kind of like Christmas movie junkies when it comes to this one, is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And we particularly like the older versions better, the 1938 version. Can you imagine that? Before I was born. Yeah, before I was born. Yeah, you might be surprised. Uh, The 1951 version. We love that version too, but we like many versions of the uh, Christmas Carol by Dickens. And of course, it's a wonderful story about uh, old Scrooge, the old grouse, transformed overnight by the ghosts of past, present, and future, and how he is completely transformed. And then Dickens wrote about the transformation of Scrooge when he said, ever afterwards, and it was always said of him, that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. And many of you are familiar with what Dickens said here. May that be truly said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, what? God bless us. Every one. And uh, that's also what this psalm is about. God blesses everyone. It contains many elements of God's blessing upon his people. And a question to ask today is, what would that look like when we say, God bless you? You know, do you ever say that to one another? I do. Often in parting from someone, I'll say, God bless you. Or on the phone, I hang before I hang up. God bless you. Someone said that to me yesterday when we were talking on the phone, another pastor. Before he hung up, he said, God bless you. What does it mean to say that? What does it mean for God to really bless us, his people? And so the psalmist prayed for a blessing in this psalm. And he prayed that that blessing would reach everyone on the earth. That's important for us to note today. This is a great missionary psalm. God desires that his people make his way known to everyone on the earth. Do we believe that? He desires to bless his people. Do we believe that? And he desires that we make his way known on the earth. And so he calls us to be a missionary people. My job title is Director of Missions, and I'll make a little confession. I've never really cared for the title, the name of the title very much because I don't believe that really I am the director of missions. I believe the pastors are the directors of missions and the churches as they uh, focus on the gospel and getting the gospel out, the, the churches are driving that cause. I'm just here alongside the churches to encourage you, like parachurch, to come alongside. And so that's, that's a side note. But 
Missions ought to be church-driven. It ought to be gospel-driven. It ought to be to the whole world. And so why should God's people make his way known to everyone on the earth? That's our question today. Well, before I get into what the psalm says about it, I believe, the first answer to that, obviously, is Jesus told us to do it. So to be an obedient people, we have to be a missionary people. Uh, To believe in world evangelization, we are simply to obey Jesus, who said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, go, therefore, church, and make disciples of all nations. But let's try to answer that question from this psalm, Psalm 67, that we just read. The psalmist, I believe, gives us good reasons to make the gospel known to the whole world, world evangelization. And the first reason I want to talk about is this. We want the blessing that has reached us, has the blessing reached you? We want the blessing that has reached us to reach all people. And so in verses 1 through 3, in fact, Uh, We're going to look at the blessing, the Aaronic blessing. But the Abrahamic blessing, you remember when in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 1 through 3, when God said to Abraham, we really go back in the psalm all the way to Abraham and to Israel, and God said to Abraham, I will bless you, make you a great nation, and in you all the nations of the earth, all the families of the earth will, will be blessed. And ultimately, we know that that would come true in the Messiah, in the Christ uh, that Pastor Daniel was talking about earlier in the introduction of our service. So the psalmist begins here with a prayer for blessing upon the people of God, Israel, for the individual Israelite, but for the whole nation of Israel as a whole. Look in verse 1. May God be gracious to us. And bless us. Does that sound like anything else you've ever heard? And make his face to shine upon us. What is the psalmist referring to here? It's an obvious allusion to what we call the ironic blessing or the blessing of Aaron. I invite you, if you want to, or just listen to me, turn back to Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. And I want to read this because uh, what is the blessing of Aaron? or the ironic blessing, we call it. The Lord told Moses to instruct Aaron and the priesthood. Uh, Here is how you are to pray for a blessing upon the children of Israel. And that blessing was to be given by the use of Aaron and his sons in tabernacle worship. And among their many duties in the tabernacle, they were to bless the people of Israel. And back in Numbers chapter uh, 6, verse 22, the Bible says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, Now listen to this blessing. You've heard it many times, usually at the end of a service. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. There's something great just in listening to those words. Talk about giving you a sense of peace and assurance. 
This is called Aaron's benediction. You know what a benediction is? A benediction is just a parting blessing. That's what that is. Usually at the end of the service, it doesn't mean the service, the worship service is over. It means that when you leave this place, you take certain assurances with you and and peace with you in Christ as you leave this place today. Uh, In the Bible, the Bible says in Leviticus 9.22, Aaron lifted his hands. Note the lifting of the hands toward the people and blessed them. And many scholars believe that that reference in Leviticus is actually this blessing that was spoken in Numbers. Or think of Jesus when he led his disciples, the Bible says, out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, the Lord Jesus. Picture this in your mind now. The Lord Jesus, before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, led his disciples out at Bethany and he lifted his hands and it says, He blessed them, his disciples. Now, Martin Luther believed that the words of that blessing that Christ used before his ascension were these words that I just read out of Numbers chapter 6, the Aaronic blessing. And we don't have any way, I guess, of proving that, but it's kind of neat to think that Christ may have spoken those words, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face, and then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. The lifting of hands, nothing magical there. It's just a gesture of blessing. And often you'll see pastors do that in a service. They will lift their hands and, and speak a blessing. I, I, like, um, I was helping a church before we moved to Missouri called Metanoia Church. I think Daniel's heard this before, but Metanoia is the Greek word repentance. So it was the first time I ever pastored a church that was called Repent. <laughs> kind of neat, wasn't it? They were all about life transformation in the gospel and in Christ. And every Sunday, when the service, our worship would end, they would speak a benediction. They were, they were kind of liturgical. In the more liturgical churches, they'll often do this. You have a liturgy, a gospel liturgy, order of service. And, and uh, we'd get to the end of the service, and the leader of the worship would say something like, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And then the congregation would say, and also with you. And if you're from a more liturgical background, when I was in Southern Maryland, we had a lot of Episcopalian churches, a lot of Roman Catholic churches. And and, uh, I could always tell when I would be leading a funeral service who was in attendance at the graveside. I would read the scripture and then speak a benediction at the end of the graveside service. And I would say, Something like, the peace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And if there was complete silence in response, I would say, think to myself, well, there's all Baptists here today. You know. <laughs> but, if, but if I heard this response from many of the people that said, and also with you, I thought to myself, well, a lot of the Church of England is with us today or, or the Episcopalians are here. But I like that tradition myself. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I don't know about you, but when I leave here today, I like taking certain assurances with me. Do you? I was in a worship service in, in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, a big mega church. I loved the church, loved the pastor. But when we got them at, at the end of this worship service one time, it was a big Bible conference, and he got to the end and he just said to everybody, 
and in, in, in concluding the service, he says, now get out of here, I'll see you tonight. Give me something better than that. Give me a blessing. Give me some assurance. Give me some peace. I'm getting ready to go out in Jacksonville traffic. Give me some assurance as I leave this place. Uh, the peace of the Lord Jesus be with you. But one thing to note in this blessing of Aaron is this. Note the threefold repetition of the name Lord or Yahweh. The name Lord is mentioned in this blessing three times. Now, would you agree with me? It'd be enough just to mention the Lord's name, Yahweh, once. But three times his name is mentioned in this blessing, which is there probably, I believe, for emphasis. To emphasize to God's people when this blessing was spoken over them that it was the Lord that was the source of all of their blessings. He's saying to his people, when you think of my blessings to you, peace, which is the land and health and prosperity and, and you know, all the blessings I give you, remember that your blessings are first and foremost from me and in me. It's important for us to remember that, isn't it? That our blessings, and usually when we think of our blessings, don't we usually think of these kind of material blessings? And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, has God blessed you? If you're a Christian, you better answer yes. I mean, you've got life, you've got clothes, you've got food, you've got your health. Most of us have got our health. And uh, we've got blessings. But there's a much more profound blessing than all of those blessings that we usually normally think of first, the material blessings. That greatest blessing of all is what the psalmist talks about here when he says, and make his face shine upon you. Now I want you to look at that in the psalm in verse 1. He prays, he's praying here, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. This is the most profound blessing of all. Now we have to ask ourselves a question. What is a shining face? What does this mean? Well, it's the opposite of a frowning face. Do <laughs> you, you, you all know what a frowning face is? How many of your husbands you've been married? You know what a frowning face is, yes? Huh? We all know frowning face. We know what that means, displeasure. Listen, a, a shining face is a face of favor toward us. It is, a, it is God's favorable presence with us, among us. It's a smiling face, a happy face. You know, here's the age-old question for all of us. Anybody who's here today, how can I know for sure that God's face shines upon me? How can I know that I stand in His presence here today or sit in these chairs here today in the presence of Almighty God in a favorable sense? Isn't that the question we need to answer most of all to know that we have the blessing of His acceptance? Uh, do you remember the Lord Jesus when he was baptized and John baptized him in the heavens rent? They split and the father spoke to the son and he said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the question is, is it possible for God 
to speak and split the heavens and say to me and to say to you personally, this, Keith, you, Keith, are my beloved child, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Is that anywhere at all possible for God to have said that about me? And the answer is yes, because in Jesus Christ, Christ has purchased that blessing for you and for me at the cross. God who has every right to frown on me, and I know he does because I have sinned against him in thought, in word, and in deed. And for every right I deserve his eternal displeasure. He has every right to frown upon Keith and to judge me to an everlasting torment of hell. Instead, he has shined his grace on Keith and on you. In sending his son, he shined his face upon us, who lived a life of complete righteousness and sinlessness on our behalf, took that life upon Calvary, and died for the displeasure against us, the wrath against us that we deserve, and drained the cup of God's wrath against us dry. Jesus paid the price for our sins, was buried, and the third day rose bodily from the grave, which says that what he did on the cross is real, is true. And if you believe in it, it will be real and true for you. And you will know that God speaks of you now and says, this is my beloved son, accepted, Paul says in the book of Ephesians, in the beloved, who's the beloved the beloved one who stood in the waters of baptism, Jesus. Now we are accepted in the beloved. His face has shined upon us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, is that a blessing or what? That is the greatest, most profound. You see what the greatest blessing is? The greatest blessing is a face-to-face relationship with God. The blessing is God himself. That's the blessing. Now, so that we have that blessing now, what do we want to do? The psalmist says he attaches a little purpose clause to the ironic blessing. Look in verse 2. That. Just circle the word that. The psalmist prays for God to bless us. We have received this blessing. The shining face of God, his favorable presence through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? That, for a purpose, the aspiration, the motive for this blessing is here. That your way may be known on the earth. Your saving power among all nations. You see, that's the purpose. Um, before I was a pastor, I was welding. Before I went into um, pastoral ministry. I had desired to go into pastoral ministry for oh, many years before I did, but I lacked the funds. If it weren't for the cooperative program, I maybe would have never gotten started. Um, but I lacked the money, I lacked the confidence, I lacked a lot of things. And I was working a job in a factory called Baltimore Air Coil. Uh, when I first came out here, Terry and I, on our first trip, I was walking through Chillicothe and looked on top of one of the large buildings down there and saw a, a uh, heating and cooling unit on top of the building, and there was a decal. It said BAC. That's where I used to work, Baltimore Air Corps. You can recognize those things. They're all over the country. 
And I worked there in the welding department, sheet metal department, and the welding department before I went off into uh, ministry at seminary. But uh, it was a job. I just didn't want to do that job. It was frustrating at times. It's not what I wanted to do in life. It was a good job. It provided for my family. But as often I was discouraged. And I just was waiting to get out of that job, that dead-end job, to the day I could go off to school and study to be a pastor. And But often I would receive encouragement in the morning through a 6.30 a.m. devotional program on the radio. Maybe some of you have heard of it. Although I don't, whenever I mention it out here, I don't get much of a response. So it makes me wonder if it's ever been in this part of the neck of the woods. But it was called Walk with the King Ministries, Dr. Bob Cook. It was a 15-minute devotional program. And Dr. Cook would come on the air, and radio is an amazing thing. There are some radio personalities, disc jockeys, who seem to be able to communicate with you without seeing their face and talk to you uh, over the radio, and you feel like they're talking right to you. This is the way Dr. Bob Cook was. He was president of the King's College, I think, in New York State. 15-minute program, he'd come on, give a little Bible devotion, Every morning he came on, and you can look this up. I challenge you. Uh, you will be blessed. We're talking about blessing. Uh, look up Walk with the King Ministries, and there's a little devotion on every, every day. You can listen to it. And this is the way it will start. Dr. Bob Cook will come on. Well, hello, radio friend. How in the world are you? You doing all right today? Well, you're listening to this, you know. I'm getting ready to go to a job I don't like. I'm not doing all right. He goes, he goes, he goes, uh, well, I trust you're doing all right today. But if you're not, look up to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, I don't like it. But see me through this one and give me victory, and he will. Now, he'd begin every morning with something. Hello, radio friend. How in the world are you? You doing all right today? That's the way he would begin. And then he'd teach from the Bible for about 12 minutes. And then every day he would sign off and say this. And this is how it relates to the song. He would go, until I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the king today and be a blessing. That would be the last thing I would hear before I went out the door to go to work. Walk with who? The king today and be a blessing. You see... That's exactly what this psalm is teaching us to do. Now that you know you have been blessed, what are God's people to do? They are to be a blessing, ultimately making his way known on the earth to the nations. And, uh, and the nations will say in verse 3, now no wonder the psalmist keeps repeating this refrain, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you praise you. You see, our role is to make the blessing that has reached us. Has this blessing reached you today? You have Christ. Do you have Christ? Do you have this blessing of a favorable face? If that blessing has reached us, then we are to want that blessing that has already reached us to reach everybody else. You see, it's a missional impulse that happens. It's, it's an outward expression of wanting to share that blessing. We want that blessing to go out in our Acts 1-8 world. We want it to go out right here in Gallatin, all around this county, in Missouri, 
in the United States and ultimately to the nations of the entire world. It's an outward missional impulse. Let the blessing that has reached you go out to others and make his way known on the earth. You know what the old hymn says, make me a channel of blessing. Is the love of Christ flowing through you and so on? Make me a channel of blessing today. We used to sing that old hymn. I heard a preacher once who said that we often behave like we're buckets instead of channels. We take in more Bible studies and more sermons, and we should. These are means. These are means for, uh, of grace to help us grow in grace. But we're not intended, he said, if you fill up a bucket with water and it just sits there and keeps taking in, it just sits there, what does it do? It becomes stale and rancid. He says, no, what we need to do is to kick out the end of that bucket, the other end of that bucket, and let what comes in go out to others like a channel. Think of yourself as a channel of blessing. Make me a channel of blessing. Help me, God, to take the blessing that has already reached me in the gospel and to be able to bless others with it. Be a blessing today. You go out to eat today, tip a little higher than you normally do. There's an idea. Be a blessing. You know, Be a blessing to someone today. Walk with the king today and be a blessing. He doesn't want us to wallow in our blessings. Let us examine another reason why God's people should make his way known on earth. And the good news is these last two are shorter. Okay, That's a blessing. Amen. <laughs> we believe that all people would be glad if they knew the Lord. Do we really believe that? We believe, as the psalmist says here, that all people would be glad if they knew the Lord. Are we really, do we really have that conviction in our heart, or is there more conviction that says, in practice, by our actions, oh, leave them alone. You know, they, they do their thing. Oh, look what the psalmist says. Let the nations, in verse 4, be glad and sing for joy. They're glad and they're singing for joy. Why would they be glad? Why would they sing for joy? If only they knew the Lord that we knew. If only they knew the blessing that has reached us. If they knew this blessing. He says, for you judge the peoples with equity. You know, what that means is God's rule. This is a kingly psalm. His rule is straight. His rule is level. He rules with uprightness, perfect fairness, righteousness. You know, I was thinking about this since we've been in the election season, and it truly has become an election season. Pastor Daniel, don't get worried. I'm not going to talk about politics. But, uh, uh, But I was thinking about it in this way, that no matter who rules in Washington now or in political office, about half our nation is glad and the other half is mad. doesn't matter who rules in Washington. That's the way it is now in our nation. About half the nation is glad, half the nation is, is uh, mad and sad. What they need to know is that if they would come under the rule of our Lord Jesus Christ, our King, everybody would be glad and sing for joy. They could skip being mad and sad to begin with and go straight to glad. Amen. Okay. Everybody under the rule of our king, our God king, 
if they knew what it was like to be ruled by him. And the psalmist gives us another uh, reason for that. He says he guides the nations in verse 4 upon the earth. And that word guide, you don't see it immediately, but it's a word that describes the way that shepherds care for their flocks. It's a word that speaks of shepherd-like concern. You see why the nations would be glad to be under his rule? Because they would be glad to be under a shepherd who cares for them. The Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. He would satisfy their deepest needs. My wife and I were in Mexico uh, many years ago on a well, about 2014 on a mission trip in San Bartolo, Mexico, and I was working outside. We were doing construction on the building and teaching the Bible at night, and, and uh, I was working outside each day. So every day, just about, a local shepherd would lead his flock of sheep up near me in the field. And uh, it was fascinating to watch because I had never observed a shepherd, a real-life shepherd of sheep, do his thing. And sometimes I would just stop working and stand there and watch what he did. It was fascinating. You know, little sheep would begin to wander off and he'd say something and all of a sudden they'd come back in the fold. He was caring for the sheep and I would reflect on the 23rd Psalm. No wonder the nations would be glad. No wonder they would sing for joy. If only they knew our Lord because he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Psalm 78 verse 12 says, With upright heart he shepherds them and guides them with his skillful hand. He will guide your life. Sometimes even from California to Missouri or from Maryland to Missouri, he will guide your life. He will guide your life in the big things, the little things, everyday life. No wonder we are glad. No wonder we sing for joy to be under that kind of rule and that kind of care. And no wonder verse 5 again repeats the refrain, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Why? Because the blessing that has reached us has blessed them, and we know that they would be glad if only they knew the Lord that we know. There's a third reason, final reason. We'll close with this. A third reason to make his way known on the earth is we look forward in hope to a day of universal worship. We look forward in hope, not wishful thinking, but confident expectation. You see, the psalmist says, the earth has yielded its increase in verse 6. This psalm may, some of the scholars, the Bible commentators are divided on this. Some say this psalm may have been a harvest psalm that was written during the Feast of Ingathering for Israel when they would harvest the crops and they would give thanks to God for the crops and and that would be a blessing. Some say that's the background here. It could be a harvest season psalm. It's been very fascinating for me uh, to observe the harvest season here in Missouri especially the big farm equipment. Number one, the farms in Missouri make the farms in Maryland look like little backyards, you know. And number two, the farm equipment is like when I'm going down one of these interconnecting county roads, whether it be A, B, C, I've heard to learn the alphabet all over again out here. And we, all our roads out there were numbered by numbers. You've got letters and numbers. 
And I'm riding down these roads, and here comes along a big combine. It looks like I'm in the movie Transformers or something. I mean, if, it, if it's getting dark, it's scary, and you've got to get over, you know. But it's fascinating to observe the harvest. What's fascinating about this psalm is the psalmist seems to be, the whole psalm seems to envision a great day of hope, a great day of worldwide harvest, not of crops, but of souls. Note how verse 7 ends, that all the ends, God shall bless us, the psalmist says, it's confidence. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Will that ever come true? Will there be a day when the four corners of this earth will bow down and worship our God and, and God will rule this earth with happiness and peace and govern the nations and the earth will fear him to the four corners. Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked. This, the, the revelator, uh, John said, And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Get a load of that. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and I like this part, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Ultimately, that day is going to come. And what a day that will be when we will see God face to face in all of his beauty. Imagine that. And he will shine his face upon us. And we will bask in his beauty and glory for all eternity. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps on my body right now just thinking about it. I really am. Imagine he will take all those voices. You know, I mentioned being in Mexico and have been on uh, mission trips, and my wife, we've both been in Mexico, and she's been in Africa too. And you know what really messes things up is the language barrier. When you're, when you're standing there and you're trying to communicate with people, I was downtown in Apisago, Mexico, trying to communicate with a couple of guys over an invoice, and I thought to myself, this Tower of Babel thing really did mess things up. <laughs> yeah, I can't communicate to these guys. I look like a fool. But one day God will blend the voices of all the languages together in harmonious praise. And in that day, God will shine his face upon us in the fullest measure. And what a blessing that will be. And until then, we must make his way known on the earth and be his missionary people. And God bless you. God bless us. Everyone. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so blessed just to stand and sit here and be gathered together in your presence and to know your face indeed has shined upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ and his saving grace, the indwelling Holy Spirit who lives within us. Father, help us take the blessing that has reached us and seek to, to reach all others with it, whether it be here in Gallatin, but all the way to the nations. 
in the Pacific, the South Pacific, wherever that be. Father, burn the conviction in our hearts that if the nations only knew you, they would be glad and sing for joy to be under the rule of a king like you, a shepherd king like you. And Father, we live in expectation of that day of hope when Jesus will come and he will be feared to the four corners of the earth. Until that day, help us to make your way known upon the earth. Bless this church, First Baptist Gallatin, in that effort. To your glory, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.